Hello and welcome to In House, the podcast focusing on all things social housing produced by Housing Plus Group. My name's Claire and in this episode I'm joined by Kerry Bollister, Director of Development at Housing Plus Group, Sales Manager Jerry McFall, uh, local resident Lynn Dewsbury and Sarah Finnegan, Head of Member Relations at the National Housing Federation. And this week, we're talking about the rural housing crisis. So turning first to you, Kerry, why do you think that we need to talk separately about a, um, a rural housing crisis? In what way is that different to the housing crisis generally that we're all very aware of in our towns and cities? Thanks, Claire. Well, there there are a number of reasons why the the rural housing crisis is different to to what we see generally um, as as a housing crisis. Um, I think, firstly, income levels. Um, Income levels, um, we see huge disparities in people who apply for our homes, whether those are shared ownership applicants or people for, for rented housing. We see a lot of farm labourers, for example, applying for our homes, um, and, and some of those people are on very, very low incomes um, that reflect their, their fields of work. And that is, it's a different type of work to what you might see in more urban areas, but it's still a very important part of the, the rural economy. So I think, firstly, it's income levels. I think, secondly, prices are disproportionate. Um, you know, we, we often see huge variations in prices in, in rural areas that um, aren't the, the case where you look at more, more urban areas. Um, and, and I think um, quite often people have to travel significant distances to get to work. Um, people are often reliant on cars because there is no public transport. Um, the buses are often non-existent or the, the timetables are really minimal. Um, there some significant distance from from trains so they've actually got to have the outlay of a car to actually get around to get to employment um, and they they, they you know they, they they don't have the advantages um, that people in urban areas have in terms of getting around cheaply and and relatively easily um, I think that there's also a significant factor that people want to live sometimes where they grew up um, and they the, the lack of affordable housing particularly in more rural areas but the the, the 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 lack of available housing more generally in rural areas means that they can't do that um, and I know we're going to hear from Lynn shortly but I think it's important to recognise that a lot of the homes that we have sold recently for shared ownership are for people either coming back to the area in which they lived as children uh, and they can't afford to buy on the open market. Um, or alternatively, they, they're choosing to live somewhere um, outside of an urban area because it's something they were familiar with when they were younger. So I think there are a range of factors that are very, very different to urban areas. Um, Sorry. Do you think do you think that 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 the that the rural housing crisis the lack of housing is actually threatening village life as well? Yes, it is. Um, I mean, we're very much aware of the fact um, that you know and I, some of these villages won't be sustainable unless we can build um, homes, particularly affordable homes. Those villages need shops. They need the schools. 
they need the connections, they need the village hall, et cetera, et cetera. And unless they've got a significant population there to use those facilities, those villages potentially become only commuter villages um, because those might be the only people who can afford the prices of people of, of, of houses there. Um, or they, you know, that people have to travel further and further and further um, away to, to get those facilities that, that the village has lost. Um, and it's, it's very sad to see, um, but in terms of the availability of local products and produce, that's what disappears from that area. So we've, we've seen that in some of the areas in which we work. And certainly we're hoping by the fact that we are investing in those, those villages, those small towns and villages, um, that some of those local services may come back. But we have to fight for that. Um, and it's important to recognise that. Brilliant. Sarah, um, looking at the national picture, can you give us some idea of the scale of the housing crisis and particularly the rural housing crisis? Um, so at the National Housing Federation, we've actually commissioned research to understand the scale of housing need across the country and the number of homes needed to address that need and in particular the tenure of those. So we know that England needs 340,000 new homes um, every year, including 145,000 affordable homes. Um, and of those, uh, 90,000 should be for socially rent and 25,000 shared ownership. So that's the sort of scale across the country. And clearly, as Kerry's described, a proportion of those will need to be in rural areas. That seems like a, a big number. We're, 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 are we getting anywhere near that at the moment? No, we're not building that many homes, and particularly not that many socially rented homes. Um, our members build around 50,000 um, affordable homes per year, um, and we continue to call for more investment in, in affordable homes so that our members can deliver um, more of those homes and get some way to meeting that target. Kerry's talked a little bit about the social return on investment of building new homes, the benefits the, in terms of how it benefits communities and changes people's lives. Do you see that as, a pro, as, as important nationally? Do you see those benefits coming through? Um, yeah, I mean, we know in particularly in rural communities, so we, um, we published a report a few years ago that illustrated how building affordable homes in rural areas can really help to maintain vital services um, that are the sort of lifeblood of those um, communities. And just as Kerry described, in um, so schools, the pubs, the post offices, and we know those services are increasingly at risk of closing where rural areas have suffered from lack of investment in new affordable homes. And um, without those, it's difficult for families to grow and stay in the area and more difficult for people to move into those areas, putting the long-term sustainability of, of local businesses at risk. Um, and our report, it was published in 2017, but it, it, it looked at how many uh, pubs, schools, post offices were closing and using case studies illustrated how um, just a handful of new affordable homes in a rural community and by those communities working in partnership with housing associations, they built new homes, but also worked to protect um, the, the local pub, the post office. Um, you know, new families coming in for the school um, 
and, ju and just showed how it really brought to life how, like I say, just a handful of new homes could actually help sustain village life. And presumably parish councils have a big role to play in this. Definitely. And our, our, our members, um, a, a group of whom work in rural, rural areas, the Rural Housing Alliance, um, they've, they're publishing this week a new parish council guide. So it's about how they want to work in partnership with um, parish councils um, and work with them to deliver like needed affordable in communities. And that's part of their pledge, um, to rural, uh, which demonstrates their commitment to rural communities. That's about working with those local communities, finding the best solution to meet local housing needs, ensuring homes are occupied by people who've got a local connection or contribute to the sustainability of the village, um, ensuring that those homes will always remain affordable, building sensitively designed, high-quality homes, um, building to high environmental standard, which help residents and communities reduce their carbon impact, um, and providing high-quality services to residents in those communities, and essentially always listening and responding positively to the local community. Um, Jerry, what kind of homes are we talking about? Is it just those affordable rented homes that we're talking about that villages need? And undoubtedly, you know, there's no denying the fact that um, affordable housing is really important and very much needed. But villages are no different to anywhere else, cities, towns. You need that variety, both of housing and the infrastructure around the housing that's there. So uh, you need everything from your, your first-time buyer, your uh, young family, your young professionals, going all the way through to retirement again, because, you know, as things stand at the moment in far too many villages, you reach a point where actually that village no longer provides what you need. Mm -hmm. uh, and unfortunately, that then means that they've got two choices, either live in properties that are, aren't suitable for their needs or they have to move out of the, the local area. Um, which obviously is not something that that people would want to do. So, you know, the, the reality is it's it's there isn't a one size fits all, but there's a package of things that need to be considered, both in terms of tenure and in terms of property types. So everything from your affordable rent, your shared ownership, your outright sale. Um, so unfortunately, it's a, I think the reality is it's a it's a selection of things that, that's required. Kerry, was something like that that was really successful in Condover, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean, Condover is, is a village that's just outside of um, Shrewsbury, just beyond Basin Hill. Um, and we did some, some brilliant community-led work there in, in respect of people who knew that affordable housing was needed in their village to help sustain that village. Um, and... You know, as a, as a result of that, we won a local council prize, the Outstanding Project um, of, of the Year Award for all the community work that was undertaken um, to, to actually produce more affordable rented and shared ownership housing in, in that village um, to help continue with its sustainability. And I know we will be hearing from, from Lynn, but, you know, I think it's important to recognise that sometimes getting things moving in these village environments can be incredibly difficult. Um, and 
that that did happen in Kondo, but um, it's important to recognise that we dealt with those conflicts, those difficult issues. Um, and, and now you, you, you've got housing there that people absolutely love. Sometimes we've got to deal, through, deal with some difficult issues to get to what we all know is needed there. And Lynn, um, Kerry was mentioning uh, your, your, your experience. Now, we've heard about a development where in the end, there was strong local support and involvement uh, in the building of new homes. Sometimes, though, there can be opposition from people who perhaps don't want to see their village change. You're in a slightly unusual position because you are a village resident and you've got a strong personal interest in the affordable homes that are soon going to be built in that village. Can you tell us a little bit about, about your own situation and what those homes could mean for your family? Well, I've got two daughters, Laura and Alice, who are both desperate to be able to move to the village so that they're closer to each other um, and to me. So to give you a bit of information about my girls, um, Laura's classed as disabled because of spinal surgery, which went wrong uh, and needs quite significant help with the day to day life. Um, so at the moment, Alice and myself um, have to go to Laura several times a day um, to help her with a, 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 you know, a normal day to day things. But Alice is Laura's main caregiver. Um, so Alice helps her with all her personal care and everything. Um, and also between us, we help look after Laura's children. Um, before Laura's surgery that went wrong uh, she was working for the NHS as a care assistant on the maternity ward and wanted to become a midwife and then she had to give that up because she couldn't do it basically she wasn't she couldn't work um, so Laura's got two children so to have them in the village with me would make my life so much easier because I'll just be able to nip down to the road to take him to and from school um, so my other daughter, Alice, lived at home with us in the village. And like it's been said before, Alice would desperately want to come or does desperately want to come back into the village with a partner, Gaz, so that they can settle down and start a family and everything, you know. Um, but they can't afford to buy or rent in the village. It's way out of their price range. Um how long have you lived in the village? Uh, 12 years. So for Alice and Alice, like I say, Alice and Gaz are both very instrumental in Laura's care. So to have them both in the village would be so much easier. Kerry, what's the project that's under consideration for this, for this village then? Um, it is, as is usually the case, quite a complicated land arrangement. Um, and we, we've got a local farmer um, whose grandchildren now go to the school in the village, who's effectively agreed um, that we can purchase some land. But in order for the development to go ahead, we've got to provide car parking for the school. Um, and um, as, as Lynn, I know, is aware that this has taken an inordinate amount of time to try and get to 
a legal agreement that that meets all parties but we you know we're almost there which is which is absolutely brilliant um so it is a complicated arrangement um but i think the 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 key to unlocking everything here has had been the agreement to build car parking for the school um, and, the, and the fact that the farmer has got a vested interest um, in the local environment in, himself as well. Um, it's a small development and there will be one specially adapted home, fully wheelchair accessible, um, that Lynn's daughter, Laura, that we've just been hearing about, will be able to live there. Um, so you know, when, when we do go ahead with this and we're not too far away from pro progressing it now, um, it will meet local needs, but it will also meet other people's needs in the village. And I think it's important to recognise that we have so many hoops to go through. Um, and I know Lynn has been aware of some of those, but in terms of getting things like local housing needs studies done, um, we leaflet people, we have to badger people. Um, local people know where the needs are, but we have to evidence this to the, the local planning authority. And Lynn has been instrumental in terms of helping get those, those local housing needs um, studies done that will benefit other people living in the village as well and their relatives. How many houses are we talking about? Um, it's actually a small number. Um, I think it's, it's under 10, which we don't often do now but where circumstances like this apply um, we are able to get additional grant to support the the much greater costs of developing small schemes in more rural areas and I think it's important to recognize the fact that it is more costly to develop schemes like this but we are committed to, to doing this our chief exec of housing plus group Sarah Bowden is on record giving her personal commitment to continue to do rural housing developments which is obviously great and that's part of what we're doing in the village where, where Lynn lives. So it's a small development of uh, just houses to meet local needs and yeah. there's going to be car parking for yes. the local school. Mm -hmm. um, it, it all sounds pretty transformative. I'm assuming it's gone down brilliantly locally, Lynn. <laughs> Um, well, I did come against up against some um, quite a lot lot of opposition um, in the village. And to be honest with you, people would have done absolutely anything in the power to stop the development mm -hmm. from going ahead. Um, but to be honest, I don't think they really understood the concept of affordable homes. They didn't believe that you had to have a strong parish connection. And with that in mind, myself and another lady villager um, decided to go from house to house and to find out how, how informed the villagers really were. So following many conversations about that the importance... That seems quite brave, by the way. Well, <laughs> I've got... I've got broad shoulders. Um, so following many conversations about the importance of getting younger people into our village, as I don't think the villagers had actually thought about the long term. Mm. And, and if we don't get younger people into the village, what's going to happen is that they're just going to be remain that only old people can live or older people could live in the village. And you're not only investing in the future of the, these young people, but also into, you're investing in the community. And then 
like if you do invest in the community, then those younger people can take up the baton for the best kept village project and looking after the church and uh, and the grounds, and then also bringing new life into the school. So following all those conversations and many arguments with people, I think the majority of the village was in favour of the development going ahead eventually. That's so. amazing. So did you actually, because I think it's always hard for people to change their minds. Mm. Oh, yeah. Do you think yeah. people did? They did, yeah. I, like I say, I think basically it was because they hadn't thought about the long term. You know, you can't keep having older people coming into the village. It, what's you know, everyone's going to die off, and nobody's going to be a, afford to live here. <laughs> you know, so well, you've got a fantastic school in that village, haven't you? And, oh, it's and fantastic! Uh, it really is good. Yeah. To keep that school alive, you're going to need new families, aren't you? Yes, yeah, yeah. So, like I say, eventually after lots of conversations with people, yeah, they they were had quite a few people say to me, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Oh, yeah, you're right. So it was just sort of guiding them into the right sort of conclusions about the project. Of course, we've still got people who are adamant that they don't want people in the village like that. But you sound like a pretty formidable advocate, really. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think we could we could do with you going around the country talking to um, communities that's yes, where we want to build because I think I think we do see those attitudes don't we it's it's easy to think of rural housing the rural housing crisis and then a solution being embraced by uh, some kind of amorphous rural community and that doesn't exist does it there are, not yeah. everybody is going to welcome uh new new homes and affordable homes really no no why shouldn't they these youngsters have got every bit the same rights as as older people you know and if you're not going to give them the opportunities that's a really bad reflection really Mm. isn't it it is it is and sarah kerry jerry whoever wants to pick this up it sounds like it's it's really hard work um, building these small rural developments to to kind of solve in a small way that rural housing crisis. Is it worth it? Do you think do you think that that's worth it? It's it's absolutely worth it. I think when you hear Lynn's story, um, this is what we're doing it for. Um, this is why we do what we do. So. Everything that we do has got a human interest story behind it. And, you know, and I think Lynn has amply demonstrated why why we, we do what we do. We do face huge obstacles. And I don't think um, those obstacles are necessarily much different in a, in a rural environment to how they might be in other locations. But they, they are different. Um, and I think some of the challenges that, that we've faced have been around, as Lynn says, people's lack of understanding. Um, but sometimes it's down to, um, to local politics. Sometimes it's down to an, an issue of um, wanting to keep things in, in aspic. Um, and, you know, we, we had to go through a planning appeal on a site that we already owned. 
um, in one village location. It took nearly a year to get that through planning appeal. And we'll be going on site um, with some shared ownership bungalows um, and, and some rented bungalows in, in that particular village later on in this year. It shouldn't have to be a fight. And, you know, and I think what Lynn has proved that she she fought, she fought by going round people door to door. We've had to fight through through planning appeal. It shouldn't have to be this way, but but unfortunately it, it is something that, that we encounter quite often. So turning ending on a kind of a positive note, <laughs> um, just going around the room. If, if we could do one thing differently, or if you could do, if you could maybe wave a magic wand, and starting with you, Kerry, um, to, to, to resolve the rural housing crisis, if you were able to do one thing, what would it be? Um, I think getting the message out that affordable housing um, meets the needs of people at different stages of their lives, and it helps make those more rural environments more sustainable and I think you know it's I think it's explaining what it does and, and how it helps and I think that's that's the thing for me. Lovely and Jerry what would you do if you were transformed into a wizard for a day? I suppose if, if, I, if I was um, I think a big part of it would revolve around obviously still working very very closely with local people local villagers thing that I would want to fix is the time it takes to get everything through planning but it's important mm -hmm. that that is done in association with mm -hmm. local people to make sure that what's being provided is right for them in the local area whilst educating them but yeah but planning for me would be the one thing that I would love to wave a, wave a magic wand and, and speed that process up. And Sarah where would you wave your wand? So at the National Housing Federation like we believe passionately that social you know the nation needs more socially rented homes and we'll continue to call for investment in genuinely affordable homes for, for all areas of the country. But I think, you know, in this context, particularly in, in rural areas and, and listening to Lynn's story and Kerry talking shows how um, important it is that, you know, organisations like Housing Plus are able um, to invest in local communities. And Lynn, last word with you then. What what do you think we should be doing differently? Well, I'd just like to say, um, just remember the lives you're changing because mm -hmm. you are. That's what, where I'd like to end it. Thank you. That's fantastic. Thank you all very, very much. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.